The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. And we're back. Episode 2 of the 2021 Top under 25, under 25, no guests so far. So you're stuck with Anton Rossegord, the super exciting Swede. Thank you, Anton. Well, thank you, Patrick, for inviting me. It's always nice to know that I am welcome to come back, that I've done well enough to earn yet another invite to uh, the best podcast in Canada. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. It's, it's, it's the, definitely the best hockey podcast in Sweden, but they definitely. just haven't figured it out yet. Especially the best hockey podcast in English in Sweden. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's leave yeah. it at that. Uh, but but uh, yeah, we're going to start off from the bat, right off the bat, with Alexander Gordin. Or Gordin. Or Gordin. We don't really know. You have to be so no essential one... when you say it as well. Gordin. <laughs> yeah. Well, French always sounds sensible, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But anyways... Um, uh, consider this it's 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 a prospect that played in the mhl last year with one of the upcoming superstars of the nhl right yeah he was going to play with matvey michkov who uh, in any given year he would be regarded as the top prospect of a draft but in 2023 there is a Vancouver kid by the name of Condor Bedard who may just steal his thunder. But there is a two-legged monster in that year's draft and one of them will play with uh, Alexander Gordain for, uh, in Ska. Uh, so that will be something to look forward to. Indeed. And, and uh, well, we have to mention Melchick. He, he scored a fantastic goal in his KHL preseason debut. And, and uh, uh, if, if, if there is one... Um, team to follow in Russia on Twitter, it's Ska 1946, because it's the, the, the MHL team and they, are, they have a great sense of humor, they tweet and answer in English and uh, their GIF work is, is fabulous and uh, yeah, it, it's just great to see how they are keeping their prospects in their Twitter feed uh, even if they have passed on to, to other teams. Uh, and Alexander Gordon will play in the VHL or KHL this year. Probably mm. both, one or two games. He played two games last year. Um, and I'm being a very, I'm, I'm being a huge outlier in this case because I have him at 20. The fun Obviously. thing, what, yeah, I was just going to add there. Like the fun thing is, like last year when he was drafted, um, I had him at 19. And uh, I thought I was going to be an outlier, but uh, Andrew had him at 20. So I wasn't that much of an outlier. Stefan 70, who was uh, our commu- one of our community ballots that year, had him at 17. 
so he has fallen back a few spots. He was 27 last year and he's 30 now, but he's being helped up by your kind, um, your kind review. And you are obviously the one who has the Russian connection. So if you believe in Gordon, then I'm all in. Well, I have, I have a very good friend. I, I'd like to call the Tsarina of European uh, or, or Russian hockey and obviously the Tsarina of Eyes on the Prize podcast because we're always happy when Gillian Kemmerer comes on. But she has told me that Ska is high on Gordin, which means that I'm high on Gordin. Because if they are, it's a little bit like Seska being high on a certain Alexander Romanov not drawing any comparisons about how far from NHL they are at this level, but it, it, it really shows that, you know, th- this is one of the big clubs, one of the two big clubs in, in, in Europe. And I'm leaving out all the NLA clubs. I'm leaving out all the SHL clubs or, or Liga clubs. How about Avangard Omsk? Yeah, well, they're good, but they're not, you know, they're a little bit more of a roller coaster ride than Ska yeah, and, yeah, and Seska that, you have to say, you know that the semifinal in the West is going to be the Ska versus Seska, at least until maybe that locomotive can come back to that level before the crash that we should remember at one of our podcasts because it happened 8th of September, I think it is. Um, but yeah, as, as Gillian has told me, uh, David Bachner, the assistant coach in, in, in Ska uh, and the Ska team in general, are pretty high on, on a certain young guy called Alexander Gordin. And, and that means that I'm high on him. It's, it's, it's mm. secondhand information, but it's the best information I have. Will he come over in a year's time? Will he come over in two years' time? We don't know. We mentioned it in the last pod. You keep the rights to Russians for a long time. And I think that might have impacted my, uh, my ranking as well, because you, you don't have to worry about losing him after three or four or two or four years here you can Mm. keep that going and i think that will you know if you take him over when he's 24 he's had like six years of of very good development and arguably the second best league in the world then he can make an impact directly as we have seen other khlers do when they come over obviously they were picked higher but you can see a trend here and we spoke about that trend take a flyer on 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 kids that you can develop under a long time i was gonna ask like did jillian say anything about whether gordon has improved his skating because like that feels like something that he will need to develop if he's i gonna... think i think when i spoke with jillian a little bit and and a little bit is off the record and a little bit is is on the record so i yeah. can't i can't divulge all the stuff that that i've no, been told course. but i think they said that it was partly the skating, but also a little bit of his stamina. And mm. if he's going to be up in, in, in Ska, they're going to take care of that. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> An old army recruitment center is going to be make sure that no one is lacking stamina. That's for sure. And probably not speed either. Uh, he has a wicked shot. I think, I think yeah. he has one of the best shots in this prospect pool. I'll definitely. be honest to say that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. His wrist shot is something serious. It it could be registered with the Russian army, I think. But but it's 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 where he gets it and how he gets there, and also a little bit his defensive play. Obviously, let's let's if, if we compare it to another team that we know a lot about, 
he would not play with Frelunda. Let's be honest with that. No. Because his defensive play needs a little bit of work. But he's a really nice. he's a really fun prospect. He is like the the kind of guy who's like with the size he has, he's like six one, one ninety-five or something, and and you know that level of a shot and that ability to find the net and actually finding open ice in some weird way. And then just when you see him skating, it kind of looks like robotic and and you know that he kind of doesn't move his legs the way you want him to, but you know that there is a lot of hockey sense there and you know that he can score. So you're kind of like just waiting for him to put it all together and just develop his flaws into slightly less of flaws. And then he could actually be quite exciting for a sixth round overager. And obviously we have to consider that he's Russian as well, that mythical Russian kids we don't really know because it's still the Soviet Union in our minds. Mm. Uh, behind the Iron Curtain, we don't know what's going on. And, and, and it's, it's, it's brilliant. I'm getting a KHL pass just in order to watch this kid yeah, with gonna... these 10, 15 games that he's going to get this year. I don't think it would be more, but... but yeah, I was I was gonna say like I mean when he was when he was fourteen or something he played with the Leningrad selects U fourteen just speaking of the Iron Curtain and everything, like you know that just that is is fascinating. Yeah, keeping the name like that it's it's, yeah. it's really interesting because obviously it's St. Petersburg today for for non history geeks, uh, but but yeah it's 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 one of those prospects. I don't know sometimes if, when I watch his games if I should cry or smile, but it's fun. Yeah. I think his coaches probably feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, which leaves us for the next Russian because, we, well, let's be honest, they've given the Russian scouts a little bit of a, a free hand here. And um, it's uh, Dmitry Kostenko from, from this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned him in the previous pod that maybe he is a little bit of a wild card uh, he's chasing the puck a little bit. But on the other hand, you wrote the profile on him, so I'm going to leave this to you. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, kind of like Blake Biondi and Jack Smith will always be grouped together. And then we have guys like the three goalies uh, who were selected in consecutive drafts because they were big and because they were late round. They will always be grouped together as long as they are in the Canadians' prospect system. It feels like Daniel Sobolev and Dmitry Kostenko will also be kind of grouped together because they are... Russian defensemen selected in the same draft with a couple of rounds of difference. Uh, Both Dimitri, having belonged Daniel. to the uh, Spartak system as well, right? I don't remember. Did Was Kostenko also part of this? I think he plays Spartak in Spartak system? now. No, he's from Tolietti. So he's from, yeah, he go, yeah, he went to Spartak now. Yeah, exactly. So he, he is from Tolietti, uh, this uh, old, um, old, the old hometown of, uh, of the uh, Eastern European card, Lada. Exactly. So the team is still called Lada as well. Um, Let's be honest, a, and, and if you don't know this, if you haven't missed, if you have missed any of the podcast before, the Russian teams are named after army services or union services, more or less. Yeah, basically, and and it's fun with the whole or military name services of- because obviously we have the admiral, and if you haven't checked the new admiral jersey out, do that because yeah. it's brilliant. That's just fascinating with the whole. I remember like reading up on the whole Togliatti because Togliatti was apparently an Italian communist uh, who uh, n- gave name to this uh, city by the is it by the Black Sea or Red Sea? Like Black, uh, it's Black by sea. the sea. Yeah, it's by the Black Sea. And then like Italy um, also put one of their Fiat. Um, 
one of their Fiat uh, factories in Russia and uh, named the new car Lada. So basically, all the scraps of the Fiat just went to uh, to Lada in, in Toljati. So yeah, he's been playing there in the VHL and the MHL. Uh, he will now move to Moscow. We will get to see if he can take a spot in the KHL. That seems to be. Um, I think he's going to be like sixth, seventh uh, defender, defenseman, and and usually, as we know, with the uh, we've with seen the that with Roma, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you 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 will get some playing time. And Spartak is obviously the kid brother in, in Moscow, with uh, Seska being the big guys and and Dynamo being the KGB guys. Um, and and um, Spartak has obviously, by the name, there are a few of them, 300 maybe, uh, that uh, supports them and they've been the underdogs, a little bit like Atletico Madrid or, or other teams that have, you know, are the underdogs due to the big super team in, in their own city. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. He, ha- he will have an opportunity. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what kind of position they put Kostenko in as well because he is uh, a creative defenseman. He's um, in my getting to know article I, I compared him to Matthias Norlinder uh, because I felt like he had the same kind of slick hands that you wouldn't expect from you know that kind of defenseman. He he, he uh, has an ability to kind of float by opposing defensemen. Um, I think as well being a right-handed defenseman I think the cards fell well for the Canadians to hear in the he was selected in the third round, if I'm not mistaken, 87th pick, uh, to kind of have a backup from the same draft for Logan Mayu. Um, because, like, I mean, since the Canadians were low on, on right-handed defensemen in the prospect pool, it, and we saw in recent years that they have kind of loaded up on different positions. They've loaded up on centers in one draft and left-handed defensemen in one draft. Um, having a few right-handed defensemen in the prospect pool doesn't hurt either. Um, so in case Mayu doesn't develop or in case Nor- something happens to Norlinder's development, maybe Kostenko will be the one who can kind of um, be the new spark plug from the defensive line who maybe can slot in a- and uh, in the future. If, if he gets the right development in Spartak Moscow, who knows if he can be a Jeff Petrie replacement down the line. Also, it's, it's as you say, you rather have too many eggs in the basket and trade a few of them out rather than have too few and, and, and having to try to cover that base with via free agency or via a trade. So because then you're going to get, you know, you're going to have to pay top dollar for it in, in some ways. Yeah, and, definitely. And, 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 so it's, and it's a smart move to stock out on different positions. And they Montreal has done that over the, the, the last few years. They've They've gone like we need centers, we need we need defenders, we need wingers, and, and now we need right-handed defenders. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And if we see someone like Jordan Harris, I know that people are are worried that he's not going to sign. If we end up with an Adam Fox situation where he decides that he doesn't want to sign, which nothing points to, but if that were, were to happen. Like, I remember when Adam Fox didn't sign with Carolina, they still got two second rounders for him and he went to New York Rangers. Obviously, he has now developed into a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman, so that was way too little in retrospect, but they still got assets out of it. So if you have, for example, too many left-hand defensemen and you can play them all, well, then you at least do some asset management and get assets back for that player instead of just, you know, well, selecting... Well, you, you, you have to say to, to Carolina as well, they know that we're losing him, even if he yeah. was that kind of player. So yeah. Yeah, at exactly. least getting two picks out of it was was it wasn't enough, but it was more than nothing. 
exactly. I mean, yeah, they they got they got you know fair value at the time, and then Rangers have have done a good job developing him into something more. And it really does seem to be the the defensive uh, podcast. This because the next one up is uh, William Trudeau uh, from uh, the Q. Justin's nephew. It's an interesting prospect as well. Big guy. Um, this is Canadian bias. Like this is this is North American bias having him over the two Russians. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, uh, you have more information about him. Let's let's course, say yeah. that as well. He also he also pl- he is a he Quebecois a- player. So yeah. so a lot of our listeners, a lot of our readers will have some sort of more information rather than what you have from behind the Iron Curtain. Not everyone has Gillian Kemmerer on her on, on, on his speed dial. No, exactly. It's only you. Only you. I'm wondering about William Trudeau. He was selected about the same range as Jacob Le Guerrier uh, two years ago. Um, I mean, he's a left-handed defenseman. Not that it matters that much. We saw Romanov playing uh, uh, Romanov playing a lot of, of right-handed D this year, for example. Uh he was having a solid year with Charlottetown, so he went about where he was expected to go in the draft. I don't really know where his upside is as a player. Um, in our Getting to Know article on Ice on the Price, um, Scott Matla wrote that he isn't bad at any real aspect of his game. He's kind of solid all around. and So, so he's we- more of a jack of all trades than king of none yeah that, that was kind of like because if we look at the the two players that we were just spoken about uh, speaking about uh, alexander gordon and dimitri kostenko they are kind of the opposite right they are kind of those kind of boom or bust players either they develop into something really good um or they won't pan out at all and they will just stay where they are now um with trudeau it feels like yeah, like I, I can easily see him be AHL depth in a couple of years. I can't really see him breaking into any high, like in any kind of impressive role with the Canadians. But like he's only 18, uh, turns 19 in October. With the good years development in the queue, who knows? But at this point, I am kind of surprised that he is ahead of a few of the other guys on this list. I had him further down. I had him at number 32. I thought I was going to be the lowest with that, but Mark had him at 38. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just tossed him at 25. It, yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, it's 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 small margins, but I personally believe, believe more in Kostenko. I'm going to scroll up to, to the table yeah. and see. So we got Trudeau at 29. It's essentially... 27.7 to Leskinen, or that we're going to talk about in a second. And, and you know, he could easily have been yeah. 26. He could easily, he, he was much closer to 26. Like William Trudeau was much closer to 26 Indeed. than he was to 29. And obviously to 25 as well. Yeah. If I calculate right, it's two points. Uh, yeah, no, not really. Yeah, it was about the same range between 25 and 29. Um, so he was kind of, he was solidified at play like number 28, and he was actually. You know, closer to working himself up up the field there, um, for a fourth round prospect, that's not bad. Like it's not bad starting at number twenty eight as a fourth round prospect. No, but as you say as well, it's a little bit of, of bias, I think, to a Canadian player. And many people have that a little bit more information than we have because we're Swedes and and, yeah. and we are having other 
other connections that we listen to? There are for sure people in the uh, who are voting here who have seen Charlottetown live last yeah. year. Like not not live because of the COVID pandemic, but actually w- watching their games yeah. uh, in in some capacity. And I haven't. I didn't know who William Trudeau was before he was drafted. So I actually I thought he was related to the prime minister. Of course, everyone is related to. Uh, <laughs> to it's like just... I get that question all the time when someone is named Naslund or uh, Johansson or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, there are really few people named Johansson in Sweden, so. I think Svensson is even less. Mm. But yeah, step in, taking a step up, it's, it's Otto Leskinen. I was, I'm, I'm going to say this, uh, Nathan and I were absolutely lowest with this guy. Yeah, you were. And let's be honest, we are lowest because of one thing. He went back to Europe. I was going to say two things, age as well, probably. Yeah, He's probably aging age, out. But, yeah. yeah. But also, he went back to Europe. Mm. And we spoke about this together before we recorded, but Leskinen, why would he play in the AHL with let next to no recognition, no chance more or less of playing in the national team? And then he gets an offer from Jokerit in the KHL, the Finnish team in KHL, which is more or less the, the top end talent of Finnish players go to play in, 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 in Jokerit. Because you can stay at home and still play in, in the second best league in the world. And yeah, I, I, I totally understand that decision. And he mm. is a good power play defender. This is not a slight of his hockey skills because they are so far above 40 where Nathan and I had him mm. that, that, that they could be. His hockey skills are great. He was borderline making the, the, the Canadians last year in, in you, you have to give him that. Uh, but he's aging out. He's, he's sort of reached the peak of his career in development. And he's moved back to Europe. And if you think about, would you be very sad of a European player that has gone back to, to lose him in a trade? No one would be that. No, exactly. And if you look at like value management and all that... Um, there are probably 39 prospects on this list who now can be said to be more valuable to the organization than Otto Leskinen because I think that they have kind of shook hands and just said like, well, good luck in your in your future career. And if it's not going to be in the KHL in the long run, if you do well, maybe we can be in touch, but probably it will be Probably will be that Odaleskin, and if he comes back to North America, will represent a, a different franchise than the Montreal Canadiens. If he comes back Was- to North America, it's going to be a World Championships that is being held in, in North America, yeah. and that's like yeah. five years from now because that's how far they've decided where the North, where the World Cup will be. Yeah, or World like- Championships will be not the World Cup because that's that's the NHL based one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, uh, like Otto Leskinen was uh, a real asset for Laval last year and, and basically in, t- in the last two years. But I loved you... that they took the chance on, on Leskinen. I think yeah. that was, and, and getting him to sign with Montreal rather than another team, I think that was great as well. I think it's it speaks to, and even after this season, it's going to be higher, but you want to play for Montreal and you get the chance to play for Montreal and you sign with them. I think Confidence-wise, for the fans, look at it that way. He signed for Montreal. He played his AHL years. 
He, he got the chance to play with the club. But on the end, yeah, that's it. And, and asset management, I think it was good asset management. He, mm. he, what could they offer him? They couldn't offer him a, another place on the roster. He knew that. Did any other club think they would make the NHL roster on opening night? No. So He's then, kind of yeah. doing what Chelsea don't did last year. Yeah. With the exception, obviously, that Chelsea don't actually left North America as a North American to go to Europe and Odell but he has a basically French goes home. Passport, doesn't he? I don't know if he has one, but but still, but still, it was he, kind of you I think just he counts as a a, a a European national for for the Swiss league. Yeah, maybe. No, I was just thinking like. It's just basically the same story that you're just realizing that you're kind of on the verge of breaking into the NHL, but you know that you would be the first guy out if and you also were there are actually guys coming from below. Exactly. So you know that you're in an organization that uh, wants to reward youth, and you're getting up there in age, and yeah, you can be a leader in the HL team while making basically minimum dollars, or you could go to one of the European leagues and be considered a star. And yeah, uh, or at least a profile player. Let's yeah, yeah. But like we see we see now, for example, the Canadians signed um what was his name? Chris Weidman, who was an NHL bounce around, but did very well in the KHL last yeah. year. So so uh, a year or two in the KHL can really boost your career, and the same if you play in the NLA or or SHL. So or in um, Liga. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Because obviously they took Leskin from Liga, so I'm, I'm yep. saying like, yeah, no, that's true. Uh, but obviously you, you you rank the leagues; it's KHL, SHL, and then it's NLA Liga, sort of mm-hmm. the same. It, especially if you play on one of the top teams in Liga, and yeah. and also one of the top teams in the NLA, like Bern or Zurich, uh, maybe Davos as well, but because they have a really great coach. But yeah, Leskinen. Two well-invested in, um, years in him. He, he got a chance to play with a big club. Uh, fair play. Good mm. luck on his career. He's going to have an amazing hockey career in Europe. I'm, mm. it, well, he's not going to win the, the, the KHL with, with Joker. Let's be honest with that. But, but if he changes teams, he might be able to win KHL with one of the other ones. Which leaves us to one of the most intriguing prospects on this list. And for me, it was... Joni Ikkonen all over again. I had the same feeling when I ranked this player. And I'm sorry to say this about my fellow Swede, but you were second to last for me. Yeah, we're finishing the this podcast with your number 40 and then your number 41. Yeah. Take and it away, Patrick. It, it's, it's reasons that I mentioned for Leskinen, but I had Olofsson even further behind. Hmm. And the development of Jacob Olofsson is shocking. Let's be honest. It's shocking. Uh, I have no idea. And we f- first and foremost, I have no idea. So I went somewhere else to ask about it because for EP Ringside, Jimmy Hamlin writes about Tim Rowe and Swedish prospects. So we're going to listen to Jimmy Hamrin. Uh, I made an interview with Jimmy Hamrin, so, who he's really the first guest that we have on the pod, even in, in, the, in the second episode, which is great. Um, But listen to Jimmy and have, hear what he says, and then we're going to come back. And we're leaving for Jimmy Hamrin, um, member of EFP Ringside and Hockey Sverige, one of the biggest hockey website in Sweden. You have a special interest with Timro and you're covering Timro. 
what can you really tell us about Jacob Olofsson's development when he arrived to Timru last year and, and what your expectations are for this year? Well, he came back uh, last year. He had been with uh, Shleftio in the SHL. Haven't, uh, hadn't gone uh, as he hoped for. He uh, played a lot of wing instead of centerman. Uh, so he wanted to come back to team room, play centerman and, you know, start over, I guess. Uh, I think it didn't happen <clears throat> that much with his development uh, during the season in team rider. He finished the season, I believe, uh, as a winger in Timra too. Uh, he's about the same player as he, he left in, it must have been 2019, I think. He left Timro and I think he looks kind of like the same player. I, I like his skating. Uh, he can transport the puck, but uh, when it comes into the offensive zone with the puck, it's, sometimes it's good, but often, you know, he, he loses the puck or uh you know uh, the play dies uh, when it comes up and that i think will for me that it's the issue with, with Olofsson right now he he needs to figure out how to cover the puck better how to uh how to find openings in the offensive zone and uh, be a, an effective player uh, offensively uh, i think uh, so that's the biggest issue with him right now and i think the use both Shalefti and Timur have have used him as a winger because of his skating. I think not. Uh, he he hasn't been able to to be that uh, playmaker at uh, at center that, that he looked to be become when he uh, was drafted and was a 17, 18 year old kid. Yeah, it it uh, there there are two things to take away from this really. First and foremost, is this a confidence thing? Or, or second, has the injuries hampered his development so he's been stagnant in that regard? Uh, I would say probably both. I think injuries has affected him. Uh, he has uh, head injuries. Uh, I don't know how many now, but I think I saw he, he had his first concussion when he was like 16 years old or something like that. Uh, and he had had some more after that, so so that's an issue, I think, and probably confident too. I think he he hasn't been able to translate uh, or r- rather develop his the game, the promising game he had when he was seventeen, eighteen year old to to now, and now he's twenty one. I think I think he looks for me, he looks like kind of the same player as he did back then. Yeah. Um... A lot of people that I've spoken with in Cholefteo and in Timro and in the World Juniors um, said that his hockey IQ is off the chart. And this always leads me to believe that it has been part of, of maybe he has lived on that for too long and hasn't been able to, to really dig down deep when it comes to training and practices. Is that something you have seen when you covered Timro or, or is that something that you can only read between the lines? I think he comes to commitment and training and stuff like that he's he's really uh, <clears throat> committed to that i think he uh, some junior coach told me he's uh, the hardest the guy who trained the hardest in the junior team back then when he was like 16 i, I don't think that's the issue uh, i think maybe the the hockey sense thing is where i uh, where I'm a bit confused. Uh, I had the same 
I did the same assessment when he was like 16 years old. I, I saw a player look like a senior player playing in uh, junior hockey, and uh, he impressed w- with the national teams when, when he was there. But the latest, I, I don't see that off-the-chart hockey IQ. I, I think something has happened there. He He's stuck in his game. And I think also it's a technical issue, skill issue. Uh, as I told you before, you know, covering the puck, uh, shifting, turning with the puck. He, he just like a north-south skater with a puck and then he loses the puck. He needs to uh, to be better uh, east-west um, with the puck. And something I noticed that was a concern when he was younger, even his, in his draft year, was I think sometime he, he was kind of an... I don't know what what you say in English. Uh, uh, alibi player. He 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 did uh, he did you know the move that uh, the coach expected. You know he brought in the puck, maybe created a face off in the offensive zone, but he didn't have that extra edge in his offensive game even then. Uh, so that was something I, I thought was lacking uh, back then too, and. Um, so he is a confusing prospect for me because, as you said, uh, when he was 17, 18 years old, coaches and also m- me saw that this guy was smarter than most players in, in junior league. But in senior hockey, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to translate that to be a, a off-the-chart um, um, smart player uh, in senior hockey. We listen to Jimmy Hamadine. Uh, you can follow Jimmy at Jimmy Hamadine in uh, at uh, Twitter. I'm I'm going to post a link in the article as well. Um, thank you very much. It's been very insightful, Jimmy, and and we appreciate you taking the time. And uh, good luck for the season. Yeah, thanks. Interesting to say the least from Jimmy, right? Yep, it really was, and. Uh, it's um, it's interesting to hear what he says about how the coaches always um, were speaking glowing, glowingly about his hockey intelligence when he was younger and kind of that you can't see that anymore. Um, impossible to know what happens. Like it's, it's critical years when a guy, as, as we spoke about in the last podcast as well, going from an 18 year old to a 21 year old. Um, there is a lot that can happen in that time. If it's not injuries, it can be things outside of the rink as well. Um, we don't know what's happened with Jacob Olofsson. All we know is that he didn't produce in Fuelefteo. He went home and we were kind of expecting him to find his stride again, like we saw with uh, Jonathan Dalian, for example, who just dominated in his home environment when he just got confidence back. And, and um, who's going to have a decent uh, chance of, of, of getting into Sharks, I think, this year. Yeah. It shouldn't be too difficult getting into the charts as, as they are looking right now, but yeah, especially Jonathan, not as forward. <laughs> no, exactly. No, but uh, Jonathan Lillian has done amazingly with the team for the last two years, and, and I think uh, he could be a trendsetter. I think you know when Sharks got him in the trade, and I'm sorry we, we're deviating from the from from the prospect here, but mm. but when they they sent him back for two years to Timrol, mm. he got a chance to build his confidence. He got the chance to to dominate and really be part of, of a club's success story, getting that confidence boost, coming into camp with a huge confidence and benefiting from it. 
I think that's very smart asset management. We see it a little bit, and I'm sorry to say this, with the asset, uh, with the asset as well, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. And uh, there are a lot of prospects who who we can think about in retrospect who would really benefit from getting just a breather. We saw that with Jesperi Kotkaniemi last year when he, um, well, first when he was went down to Laval for 10 games and then when he played in, in Liga and just saw that, well, on that level, he's just too, too good. good. Yeah, he's yeah. just too good. So w- when we see, for example, on the NHL level that, well, Kotkaniemi may not be as polished as we would like him to be, um, he's still a damn good hockey player. And I think it was important for someone like Jonathan Dalen, who obviously was playing with Elias Pettersson at a younger age. And I think it was difficult for him as well, kind of seeing how his friend was developing into one of the best players on the I'll planet. I'll be honest, I could probably have gotten a few assists playing with Elias Pettersson. No, but I was just going to say, like, <laughs> if you played with a guy like that and you notice that on some practices, you're probably better than him. And then all of a sudden he just goes into this frenzy oh, and just develops. Yeah. yeah. He just develops into one of the best players in the country and, and a leader for one of the franchises in the NHL. And you are kind of stuck in between the AHL and NHL. You're not really getting stuck anywhere and you are losing confidence and just not really feeling it. So you're going, you're like kind of forced to start over again. But if you're forced to start over, then you should really take it the way that Jonathan Lallian has done. And that is the problem with Jacob Olofsson, because so far he hasn't shown that. Like he got the chance in Team Lowe's, uh, like to really bounce back and show that he is uh, at least an SHL caliber prospect, because this is a guy who won the Golden Cage a few years ago as the best prospect in hockey Allsvenskan, right? And he was widely considered a first rounder in 2018 when he was drafted. Um, and now he's kind of on the outside looking in, even in a bottom tier team in the SHL or, you know, what was a top tier team in the Hockey Allsvenskan last year. Looking at it uh, from, from all angles, and I actually spoke off the record with some other people that, that was close to Tim Rowe. And last night or, or two nights ago when you listened, three, you listened to this on Monday, Thursday night, um, when... Timro lined up. Jacob Olofsson was back at wing, not back at center, back at wing on the fourth line. Mm. And Timro was missing a player like Alvarez, who's definitely going to go into the top two lines, and uh, Madsen and Johansson that will play third, fourth line minutes. And, and people were saying, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Jacob Olofsson gets sent back or, or, or gets loaned out to another team in hockey Allsvenskan this year. And I think that speaks to his development. Uh, if I was sure that Johnny Ikonen would have a career in hockey at a reasonably high level in Liga, in SHL, maybe even KHL, which I still think is an option for Johnny down the line, I don't see the same trend going for Jacob Olaf. Jacob Olofsson is a nice guy, always has time to me when, when I want to speak to him after games or, or over the phone. I, I, I wish turns would have taken differently for him. His hockey IQ, as you heard, is there to a certain degree. But it's like it hasn't developed. 
And it's, I always thought that it was due to not training as hard. But Jimmy Hamreen, as you heard, said, no, he's training really hard. He's one of the first guys in and, and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's, it's something has gone awry here. And I don't know what. And, and I can't explain it. But for a hockey career at top level, at this time, I see Jonny Ikonen with more upside than Jacob Olofsson. And that's why I had Jacob Olofsson as 41. I would be, I wouldn't even flinch to hear that Jacob Olofsson was traded from Montreal Canadiens. No, for sure. For sure. It's just a question of how much would he even get at this point? He would be a toss in in another trade to free up a contract or not. He doesn't have a contract, but to, if no. he had a contract, that would, is what he would be. Mm. It's, it's sad to see, say that. And, and it's tough to say that, but in this regard, th- th- this is my position. I, I can't change it. Mm. I want to change it just as much as I wanted to change Johnny Icon last year. I was sitting yeah. on a little bit more information than some of you guys. I'm not saying that is always the right information because I was very high on, uh, on Hendrickson one year. But, but let's be honest here. It's, you, 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 with Jacob Olofsson, the development he's had, with the injuries he's had, no, I just hope he doesn't get another uh, concussion uh, or at least a very bad concussion so he, he gets to suffer the rest of his life. There's also like, if you look at just pure numbers and you look at the Montreal 2018 draft, well, Jesperi Kotkaniemi is a part of the NHL team and then they had three second rounders. That was Jesse Ullinen, it was Alexander Romanov and it was Jacob Olofsson. And if you get... Uh, NHL caliber three out of four there. It's yeah, exactly. Bad. If you get NHL caliber players out of three of your four first picks, and then they also had, um, I was yeah. Then it was Cam Hillis in the third round, um, uh, who was with Laval as well. So four out of five have actually made it at least to Laval. Um, that's quite good. And yeah, it, it's always, it, it feels like losing one of your children when you're kind of like giving up hope about a prospect, especially for you, I can imagine, who follow these guys uh, on a much closer uh, level than, than I do. Uh, but at the same time, like you kind of have to look at them not only as Canadians prospects, but as as players just. And, and the important thing is just that they are doing well where they are, like an Otto Leskinen, for example. I mean, he will have a good career. Joni Ikkonen will have a good career wherever he will be. And for hopefully Jacob Olofsson, if if he only ends up uh, being in Hockey Allsvenskan and being a producer there, I mean, that's still better than a lot of other players who, who were and, drafted. And let's face it, Hockey Allsvenskan, you're getting a, the, the top players in Hockey Allsvenskan, which Jacob Olofsson might turn into, hmm. is earning quite a bit of money. Yeah, exactly. You can easily support yourself on that. And and probably save a little bit of different money as well. So so yeah, there is that. But yeah, it's 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 sad. Uh, and obviously I want everyone to succeed or at least feel that they 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 take steps forward. And to be fair, I can't say that Jacob Wilson has taken steps forward. With Johnny Ikonen was different. He was out two and a half years. Mm. But but for for Jacob Olsson he's played hockey for more or less three years. He's, he's been had injured problems for with concussions and stuff, but it hasn't a, been a shoulder injury and concussions. But he's played all mm. the seasons. Yeah, and and yeah, it's 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 
And when he's taken a step up to Coleftio, which I was really thinking would be a really good start for him, a, a, a second chance, really, where he could play more of an offensive style of hockey. No, he couldn't hack it. They moved into wing. He couldn't hack it. Because in one way, you would say his size and his forechecking skills could be very well used as a, as a winger, but he hasn't adapted to that kind of play. And he, he said in one of my interviews uh, that he felt he, he was too far away from the puck. He wants to have the puck on his stick. And as a winger, he didn't have that. Uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's sad to see. And I really wish Jacob all the best. I don't think he listens, but, but if you do listen, Jacob, yeah, I wish you all the best. Prove me wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll happily confess to I was wrong. But yep. yeah, at, at this case, at this point, it was very easy because it freed up slots for me further up the list as well yep. to, to just put him there. Because if, if he goes down to Hockey Alsonskin this year again, I see a second round draft pick as a failure. Maybe not as a failure, but it's not... A second round pick will more often than not turn into a very good European player in, in one of the top leagues in Europe. And Jacob Olsson might not do that. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible way to finish a podcast, but we promise you we're going to be more upbeat after the next one. I can also uh, ask, like, uh, obviously now we know who number 42 to 26 is. And uh, since this podcast comes out before number 25, the player profile for number 25 is out. If you listen to this before 25, put in the comments who you think is going to be number 25 uh, on the list. It's just interesting to hear your uh, motivations for who should be number 25, who should be the next player that you kind of uh, want to see, um, who uh, you may, may have thought would be actually on the near misses. Indeed. Please leave us a message. Please leave um, speak to us directly in the profiles uh, because we're not as i said in the last podcast uh, do special podcast articles here uh, it's great to have you guys listen to us and uh, we hope you're along for the full ride we've got more exciting guests coming on and uh, yeah we'll see when the next one pops up because we're not even sure yet thank you guys for listening